Hi, I'm Scott. And I'm on the beach. I'm Seth. <laughs> and we're track walking. Oh, um, yeah, we're track walking. But not how we've been track walking as of late. When we've when when I say we, I mean me has been on a track walking and talking. Seth has been I guess more on a trail. Yes, I've been I've been uh, making trails and sitting on the beach drinking coffee and all of the things that make summer wonderful. So, well, I mean, I don't, it's not that I've forgotten about you. I just, I haven't thought that much about race season in a while. <laughs> I haven't forgotten about you. I just haven't thought about you. Yeah. It's, they're different, but I think. <laughs> well, re- remind everybody where you are and why. Uh, I am at the very top of Lake Michigan. If you look at a map, like if you uh, drove north out of Chicago and then you drove, I don't know, drove, floated, boated 300 miles-ish of lake and then you ran into land again, you'd be at my cottage, which is in the upper peninsula of Michigan, and this is where I go with my children every summer for the last, like, 16 years um, because Texas in the summer sucks. (laughs) Yeah, if you didn't know. Yeah, if you didn't, it's been a, a particularly hot summer, they tell me. Um, but it's a, it's a dry but, heat. Oh, it has been. That's the problem. My wife sent me pictures, and the lawn is dead. Just, yep. like, scorched, dead horribleness. And I'm like, well, at least you don't have to mow then. And So I, I guess that's nice. Yeah, and I, I refuse to water my lawn. Oh, yeah, that's ridiculous. It'll come back. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's you know what grows in my yard deserves to grow there. Yeah, it's a very Darwinian survival of the fittest thing in my house. So. Yeah, yeah. There's there's no leg ups. There's no being helped about it. If you can grow in dry, fairly arid conditions, you deserve to grow in Scott's yard. Exactly. So, so, uh, so yeah, I've. Uh, I've been at the beach um, and in the woods, and uh, like I was telling you before the show, for the first time. So I've been doing this for, like, this is my 16th summer that I've been doing this, and when I started, I didn't even have all my children yet. They hadn't even all been born yet. And so, like, the <laughs> the first many years of this, because I do this, uh, my wife comes up and visits for a couple weeks during the summer, but primarily it's me single parenting for two months, and like single parenting three or four small children is exhausting. And, and anybody who hasn't been in the upper peninsula in summer, it gets light at like four thirty in the morning or something absurd like that. Yeah. And my children are all these weird photoreceptor little beasts. And as soon as it would get light, they would start to wake up. And so starting at, you know, quarter to five, I would have tiny children crawling into bed with me. And that's how I got woken up every morning for years and years and years. And everybody was like, just wait till they're teenagers. They'll sleep in. And I was like, please, God, let that be true. And um, now I've only got the two youngest ones with me. And I will be damned, but they sleep in until like 11 every day. And it's glorious. So what do you... Now, I, I remember something you told me last year 
that it takes you a solid two to three weeks to shift gears from kind of fall time, dad, school, running errands and doing things, Seth, to summer, coffee on the beach, riding trails and taking pictures of snail, Seth. How'd that go this year? Um, similar. So the, the thing is like my, my normal life as any normal life thing, there's like, you have stuff to do, um, like picking kids up from school or, you know, I, I suppose you have to go to work a lot. And if you don't do that, people get upset, right? Yes. Um, like you can't just be like, Oh, I forgot to go to work today. And apparently Um, even when I let people know that, I'm going to be off months in advance. They still get upset. They're still like, "Hey, where are you, Scott?" Yeah, I'm a so, I'm a subcontractor, by the way. <laughs> so particularly, like if you have kids at school, elementary kids, junior high kids, they get super. I've seen them get super, super upset when other people's parents don't pick them up. Um, I've I've literally never not gotten my kids in all the years I've been doing this. It's one of my big points of pride. But that creates a, a level of anxiety, right? Like, I'm always paying attention to the clock. Like, when do I have to leave to pick up kids? When do I have to leave to do this? And right. that's what five days a week are like. And so the so not having to do that is a huge mental shift, right? Like, sure. you wake up and you're like, what do, I, what do I have to do today? And the answer is nothing. Um, I don't. I, I should make sure everybody stays alive, but like I don't have to go anywhere. Right. Um, I don't have to pick anybody up. Um, you you like need to, to eat at some point, and when you feel like it, go back to sleep. Right, and that's and that's really it. And so that in normal life, there's a low level of anxiety or high level, depending on what's going on. Of like, I have to do these things or. you know, it's going to be bad. And it takes me a while to shake that feeling like something's coming up. There's something I have to do. Um, And it doesn't go away immediately. And I probably sound like a complete a-hole saying this, but I don't know how people enjoy regular vacations. Like, right. (laughs) Like, how do you, how do you all relax in just like a long weekend or a week? Well, I don't understand. A lot of people don't, I think is the answer. I mean, the at least what I've seen, I, I lived in Florida for several years, I think I've mentioned, and right. it's a place where a lot of people went for vacations, and so many vacations are planned meticulously, or at least planned that they have several activities per day that they need to go do, or that they want to go do. Right. Uh, but of course, the needs and the wants get very confused um yeah and there's no time there's no block to like wander or there's no you know if if you go travel to some distant country or continent or wherever like rarely do people block out like two days of just i don't know yeah i'm just gonna like drink coffee and take a nap yeah it's like I don't know, I'll wake up and if I feel like wandering, I'll wander. And 
maybe there's something that I really want to go do, but I don't have to. Maybe I'll go yeah. back to that same restaurant that I went to once already. You know, it's yeah. That was a that was a good donut. I'll go get another one. Right. Um, so I ad- I fully admit that that's part of shaking that off because this year because my kids have are sleeping in uh, more so and I finally feel like like I get up and nobody's I still get up at just because I'm old and wake up early like at elderly people eating breakfast at five in the morning dinner at three in the afternoon but um, I get up and I have my coffee and there's like four hours before my kids are going to wake up so I've been going to the woods and as you said taking pictures of snails and in working on the trails on the piece of property I have and just wandering around the woods and it's like for the first two weeks I was like okay I gotta go do this like I gotta wake up and I gotta use this time that I've been that I have because it feels like this special thing and if i don't use it then i waste it right um there's only so and, it's a it's a finite resource right because i i'm going to have to go back to texas as horrible as that sounds and not wake up and sit out on a deck over the beach and drink coffee and then go play in the woods um i'm gonna have to do normal stuff and so for at least the first couple weeks it felt like if i didn't do that i was wasting a day um, and it has worn off, and now I just go to the woods because it's fun. Like, it's the most fun thing I can think of to do at 7.30 in the morning after I've had my coffee. Um, which is weird, because it's the exact same thing, but I'm doing it for different reasons, so it feels different. And when you think of a relaxing getaway, I think... A lot of the themes in culture and media and whatnot are you're going to go to the pool or the lake and just lay there, hang out. Uh, read yeah. books. Gonna I go read a lot of books. Get a massage. You're going to drink. Um, kind of all these things. But what seems like nearly a daily ritual is at least you going out on your electric trials bike and just riding in the woods. Like how, how, how are massages and riding electric motor bikes the same? So I think the, I don't know, riding electric motorbikes goes back to like all of the, all of the stuff that we do with race cars and stuff anyway. There is, there's a lot of reasons we play with motorized vehicles and, and in the moment that we're doing those things, there's usually a purity of motion that you get like snow skiing or maybe water skiing or riding motorcycles or driving cars and there is a, or dancing or any of those things. It's just like a, a pure fluidity of motion that, that moment where you're doing a thing that just like physically feels good to do, which is probably the massage for some people. And it's hard like to create a life that has those moments on purpose. And the thing with the trials bikes in the woods is, 
like you're able to go out and just just play and move. And I've got a series of trails that are really they're built to to really work really well with those bikes. They're really technical. Like like the highest speed will go on them. I've got a, a mountain bike computer on mine right now, and the, the highest speed I'll go is like 14 miles an hour on the whole thing. And our average speed will be like seven miles an hour for the for an hour long ride because they're tight and twisty and technical and swooping and, and like everything just, you know, you get that flow and that dance and, and being able to do that every day is awesome. And I'm not sick of it yet. Good. Cause it would be like, still have a while like, like that a, you're going to be there. Yeah. I mean, imagine if you had, like if you were one of those guys who, who had a condo at a racetrack and you could, like, when you wanted to, when you had days off, when it didn't matter, you'd just be like, I'm going to go do 10 laps. Yeah. And there's no, like, it doesn't matter what the lap times are, really. It's just for the joy of motion because it feels good to do laps. Yeah. Um, it's cool. I love it. I wish everybody could do it. I really do. Yeah, we... Just over the the weekend as we're talking, uh, Becky and I went to West Michigan Honda Meet, which is a non-competitive event at Gingerman. And, man, I wish I had money and more time to do non-competitive events. It's just good good for my soul. Um, is it, does it feel good just to do laps with buddies? Like, for fun? Yes, but I kind of ruined it by <laughs> by wanting to set a personal best while I was there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because um, I've kind of had that curse of gingerman over me and that I just haven't been able to improve lap time. Uh, spoiler alert, I didn't. Um, but What's your excuse? What's my excuse? Yeah. Like, was the track too hot? Or, like, what was going on? Um, Becky said that the tires were pretty toast. Um, there's a point that we see in data where the tires keep building too much heat. And okay. so we drop them a little bit more, and they keep building even more heat. Um, and this, this happens after... You know, twelve heat cycle, twelve sixteen heat cycles or so, and they just don't really want to do grippy grippy stuff anymore. So, yeah, that's one. It was air temperature was kind of nice. It was like eighty something like that. The sun was really hot. Um, okay, but again, like you put Tom O'Gorman in my car, or you put any of those guys in my car, like they're going to go faster for sure. Um, so yeah. Have you thought of using, uh, like a durometer tester just over the course of a, of a, of a tire to see how durometer changes with heat cycles? Um, I have, and I just have never pulled the trigger on actually getting one. Okay. Um, Just something that I've thought about. Yeah. 
in the past, but I haven't done it either. Um, I know one of my friends has one, but mostly just to be annoying. Like, he doesn't use it for anything. He just lords it over me that he has it. Right. So nice of him. Um, Yeah. And I I think I'm coming to the realization, too, that the the 660s that we have been using this year, I'm pretty convinced they underwent a compound change. Uh, possibly over the winter. Okay. Uh, because they do not last through a race the way that they used to. So that's something. Um, but well, wasn't somebody telling us that tires do tend to change through the life of? Like the the build life, like if you have a tire that's out there for four years, the tires. The first year's tires are going to be different than the fourth year's tires, just by the nature of tire manufacturing. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Um, yeah, because they're like super careful. I don't want to say they're super careful with them, but when a tire comes out, sure. like it's new and consistent, and you measure all of them, and you're making sure it's perfect, and by the time you get to the last year, you're just like, whatever, slap them in the mold, they'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean. You'd think all that stuff would be machined and just, like, machines control everything. But, yeah, I, I genuinely don't know. Um, but that's that's kind of how it's felt. So, you know, we, we went we kind of worked on setup stuff. And one of the things we did is I kind of went out at our current uh, rebound settings. I came in after, like, three, four laps. Becky adjusted all of them up by, like... Uh, 75, 80% um, of what they were. Yeah. And not totally topping them out, but pretty close. And like the car felt very race car, felt very taut. Like I could feel more bumps, like things happen quicker. Um, But just uh, grip level wasn't there, especially in transitions, like going to the brakes turning in um opening up the wheel kind of all that stuff just the car was much more willing to break traction um which is what rebounders and shock settings are supposed to do like it's supposed to be change things in the the transitions and the you know the tight gaps between this and that so we went back down um Put some more wing angle in it, um, probably by about two degrees, and I wish I had done that a while ago. That was nice. Oh, that was that helped balance and high speed stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming, uh, Gingerman coming into and through eight and nine, um, much easier to just kind of keep my foot in it, uh, not quite have to delicately handle the car um back and was just much more willing to be back there like straight behind me i'm i'm listening to all this going you're pretty good at testing and you do suck at just having a fun track day yes like (laughs) yeah i really do yeah it there, there almost needs to be three types of track days for me there needs to be competition testing and fun you need someone else's car for fun track days. I want to drive Becky's more. 
is what I want. Yeah. Um, but what I'm what I'm also realizing is that through kind of life things, um, kind of how my job is, uh, like when I drive for my job, I typically have to be more aware of my phone than I typically otherwise would like to be. Um, okay. Because of the nature of my job, and that has basically been training me to look down a lot more <laughs> and um, ah. not be aware of nearly as much. And I'm really feeling that on the track. Interesting. Um, yeah, I really, one of the biggest things I was trying to work on and, you know, this kind of goes back into my like trying to be in flow more during driving is I can't really be in flow if my vision and my mental state isn't up high far ahead and just feeling everything out. Um, right. So I, I got, I had a few moments of okayness. Um, but I think enough to realize kind of the mental and visual bandwidth that I have been operating with lately. Um, having not been good, I guess. So I think it's I think it's definitely gonna help um getting a sim rig together, which I've only got like the very like two things out of like ten or whatever there are. Okay. Um just visually training myself and physically to like being able to drive because when when you're in a sim, if you have a properly set up sim, your brain can trick you into thinking that you're actually in a car driving. Right. Um, and I think that'll be good for me to just relax my body more. Um, like I'm seeing these visuals, I'm doing these things with my hands and my feet. Um, but my shoulders are relaxed. My hands are open. Um, I'm breathing normally, you know, kind of all that stuff and, um, kind of working on my visuals at the same time. You know, my eyes are far up. I'm thinking ahead. I'm visualizing like if I'm going through a blind corner, I can visualize through the corner, um, before I can actually see it, that, that sort of right. stuff, um, I think will be positive things. So are you going to do it with screens or VR stuff? I think I'm going to do a screen. Um, okay. I've I've heard enough like that some people love it, some people really don't with VR. And right. I know I'm not going to have a problem with a monitor, so okay. I'm just going to do a monitor. Okay. That's the easy button to start with anyway. I, I think so. And fortunately for me, um, since the crypto market is dying... The graphics cards have gotten much cheaper and more plentiful. Yay! So, so that's going to be another thing I kind of look into for the fall time and whatnot. But hooray for procrastination! Well done. Scott. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. I mean, I money wise, I definitely can't have it before the end of the season. It's just not not feasible. I mean, arguably, you have cars to drive during the season. It's it's right. in the off season that like 
you know, off-season training, like if you were doing a real sport. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, gas getting to and from events is more expensive and things. Yeah, I heard a stuff. bunch of people talking. I've talked to some people, and they're like, yeah, that whole that whole motorhome that I bought turns out to be dumb because yep. it's, it's now more expensive for me to drive the motorhome to the track than it is to just drive there in a car and get a hotel room. Yep. Or even, I mean, flying is not cheap right now either, I guess, but... You know, then you've got the whole time thing factored in as well on top of that. It's yeah, I'm I'm kinda curious to see if everyone come Thanksgiving, Christmas time doesn't kind of account do a financial status update and yeah. kinda realize what this year did to a lot of people. Um and need, It'll be interesting. and need to make at least a few changes to next year. Yeah. Um, cause I, I mean, I know for us, you know, trailering has definitely been good in a lot of ways. Um, money is not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And we're actually selling the baby race trailer. I heard that. I heard a rumor that, uh, that was going to be for sale and yeah. it kind of makes me sad because like the, yeah. The Miata towing that was so legit. It was so um, good. Like I, I, I think I'm gonna have to get a picture. Like one, like I think it was either the Rossini's roller shot that they took of the Miata with the trailer, and the one that Chris did the year after, um, just going down the highway with this. Stupid race car towing this unbelievably cool trailer behind it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of a bummer. You know, we, we kept it specifically for the one lap of America this year. And kind of in my mind, I'm like, yeah. And then, you know, Becky, when she takes her car to events, she can, you know, stock it up with, you know, her tires and anything else she may need. But, her tires and anything else she may need that I'm not already carrying is very little. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I wasn't convinced that you guys needed it on the one lap this year. I know it it made a couple things logistically easier, but, I mean, none of the rest of us had trailers. We did fine. Yes, yeah. And that was basically the question for the trailers, like, if we're gonna going to use it for the one lap, like we'll keep it. If we're not, we need to sell it. Um, as much as I would like to just have it, um, it yeah. is worth money. <laughs> and it is worth money, and it takes up space. Yes. So, but I'm so still. What bummed. you're saying is, anyone who has a red track car that they drive to the track should definitely get a hold of you because. A red truck car and a red trailer look awesome. I mean, it's got cool stickers on it. Um, yeah. The combination of which no other vehicle ever has seen. Um, to have the disapproving Adams face sticker above the Adams said it was okay, across the way from a barefoot disapproving Brock Yates sticker above Brock said it was okay sticker is like one of my crowning achievements in sticker placement. Yeah. 
pretty epic. Yep. So, yep, that's that's going, and that's kind of feels like a nail in the coffin for like how things used to be. Um, but kind of just kind of necessary at the same time. Yeah. Um, have we talked since Autobahn? No. Like when was? I think we haven't talked for like six weeks or something. I remember we did, we talked right after Midwest Festival because that's when I was super moody. Yeah, um, you were sad. That was like the last time we talked. It was sad. kind of like, maybe maybe that's why when I was like, I haven't talked to Scott, but it's fine. He's all bitchy. <laughs> and uh, maybe that's why I haven't felt bad about it. I, it's fair. It's a fair assessment. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we, Autobahn, uh, practice and qualifying were in the wet. Well, that's fun. Um and I was nervous because at first it was only going to be practice in the wet. And I just changed the front springs. And I'm like, well, this is useless. Like, I mean, I'm going to go out and I'm going to like do the best I can. But in terms of like feeling out the car in the conditions that we're going to be racing under, like this right. is useless. Um, fortunately, it stayed wet enough into qualifying. Um, I actually ended up qualifying fifth. Holy cow. And Audubon's like, a, I mean, you don't have to make the excuses about like nobody cool was there because there's like there were, people yeah, there Audubon. Yeah, there were actually people there. Yeah. Um, All right. That, well felt, done. that felt good. Um, and I was under a second to third place, I think. Um, All right. So that felt good. Um, and then race time came. I started fifth, ended ninth. Um, okay. Which... I think the fact that I held on for that was awesome. Um, yeah, I rarely get to run around the people in the top of the field, and they're super fast and predictable and um, give space. Like, it's, at least with me, like, it was great. Uh, race two, you know, is gridded on fastest lap time so i got you know bumped back to 17th i think and i had the worst time (laughs) i you know i don't know if it's i think it's like when you step out of your situation and you go back to what you're used to it feels foreign like a lot of those guys were just driving like they're fighting for their lives just not predictable, super darty, um, pinching off, diving like cars back, like just desperate, desperate driving. Yeah. And I was super pissed after that race. <laughs> um, well, then you get pissed off and then you're part of the problem. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't. Right? Like, no, I, like, I, that's the thing is if you're driving nice and calm around people that are driving well, then you're more predictable and you're driving better. And as soon as you kind of are adapting to somebody else being bad at it, you're not driving as well as you should. That's yeah. Or maybe I'm wrong. It's probably not inaccurate. Okay. Um, basically I was, I was driving around, um, couple guys that I I was faster than but okay. the way that 
they were moving and where and how their cars made power made it very difficult to get around them. Yeah, been there, done that. So, um, but race three went fine. Um, got a decent start. And then race four uh, had the best battle uh, for the last two laps with Paul Darling. And um, I got him by like three feet. <laughs> nice. That's fun. Yeah. And I, I haven't had a I haven't had a good fight like that in a while. So that was that was heartwarming. Um Autobahn. Yeah, and then I think Honda Meet, which I just did. So yeah, I'm uh, kind of working on the trailer right now more than anything. All right. Doing and that's been, the, the trailer's been like a good, happy thing all summer? Knock on everything you know of, it's been <laughs> good. Uh, I'm going to try to do some maintenance on it before mid-Ohio, um, just because I know that's a little bit longer of a of a thing. Okay. Uh, um, but I'm also making... Uh, extension ramps for it because okay. we're tired of hauling two by fours out of the trailer, laying them down in just the right spot and still dragging under tray on everything. So um, you're not, uh, not buying those, uh, the super long race ramps. So the super long race ramps are not low enough. <laughs> really? Like the 14 footers, the two piece ones. Um, no, I think those would be possibly, um, but I they're only like. I say that because I got a set in my garage. But, but they're like also fifteen hundred dollars, and I um, are they that much? No, they were only like eight hundred bucks when I bought mine. Yeah, I'm not. They're absolutely over eleven hundred, and I'm oh, not. Wow. I'm not paying that much money for foam covered in. No, they're vinyl. They're like. Super durable if you use them exactly how you're supposed to use them. Right. Deviate from that, and they're not. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I looked on their website. I kind of gave them, like, you know, the measurements, and they're like, hey, and these are your ramps. And they came back and said, hey, we don't have anything for you. It's like, cool. <laughs> so, um, so for... $300 in wood hinges and screws. I'm going to have some nice wood ramps um, that will work just fine. All right. Uh, I applaud your creative yeah. abilities. I've had, uh, I've, I've had some input. Uh, Jabay's been coaching me through a few, few things, which I appreciate. Um, is this where you wish you could like weld aluminum wells? You yes. could just make some badass aluminum yes. ramps. But <laughs> yes. you're a guy who works with wood. Yes. So. Also, yes. Yeah. yeah, and I like I'm close enough to like I can do some real crappy steel welds to make them work. Right. But tigging is like another thing and the thing that you have to do with aluminum. And yeah, that's just not happening. There was there's this nice set of aluminum extension ramp that I really wanted, but again was still seven or eight hundred bucks. Um, and I just 
I mean, I'm saving 400 bucks. Yeah. Doing yeah, it this way. And it can't be ignored. Yeah. And like, I'm going to paint and coat the ramps kind of like I do the under tray and it's going to be super durable, I think. Yeah. Um, I'll have to kind of take care of the bottom um, of the ramps, like where they actually sit on the pavement, but I think it's going to be fine. So here we are. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad the trailers worked for you and the van's working and, and all of that stuff. You'd hate to like do something and realize you spent a shit ton of money and made your life worse. Yeah. Yeah. We even talked about, you know, the, the plan was to get a AC unit and a generator so it can stay nice and cool. But we've, we've been talking about, it. it's like, we're just not really sure we need an AC unit. Um, so it depends, it depends on what events you're doing and what schedule. Like if you're doing road Atlanta in the middle of summer, like, yeah, right. you're going to die. Right. But if that's not what your schedule is, then eh, I mean, right. It seems like it's been a pretty, I mean, up here it's been, it gets, still gets down to the 50s, 49 degrees this morning, but, um, seems it's, like in the Midwest in general been hasn't mellow. been brutally hot. It's been so, mellow. Yeah. And I mean, and all the wiring is there for the AC if we ever want to do it in the future. Um, I'm just, you know, a decent, quiet generator is at least 600 bucks, probably more like eight or 900 right now. AC unit yeah. is at least eight or 900 bucks. And it's like, you know what? That money can go elsewhere. Yeah. And choices. Yeah. And that's, you can probably hear a theme right now is like, it's just kind of taking care of money right now. <laughs> racing is expensive. And all, I've had... always like that. I don't know anybody who's yeah. just like, no, I just, I don't even know how much money I spent. Yeah. And I've had some great students at Audubon. I was actually the beginner lead instructor, um, Ooh. which was good fun. Um, and actually for that event, we had one of our friends, Chandler Marr, uh, kind of agreed to kind of join our little band of misfits and came to help us crew for the weekend. Okay. And I didn't realize quite how helpful that was going to be. <laughs> I touched the car once, mechanically wow. speaking. Um. That's like some pro racer level shit right there. Yeah. And the only reason I did this one is I touched it like to adjust the front sway bar um, was just because I said I wanted to. <laughs> I'm, it, it was great. It was absolutely great. And, you know, Becky was competing that weekend too. So, you know, he was helping her uh, on her car. You know, I, I helped on Becky's car more than, way more than my car. And then Becky and Chandler worked on my car. And it was just amazing. It was amazing. Uh, the amount of, like, energy and mental bandwidth that that took off my plate. And we got to hang out with Chandler for the weekend, which was fantastic. good, too. So Yeah, this is why race teams form and not just... Yeah. Like one dude who does all this stuff. Even when we endurance race, the fact that we have, you know, 
you know, three to five people that are all sort of taking care of stuff on the day, even if we're all racing. Um, it's really nice to, to sort of spread out everything that you're doing amongst a bunch of brains. Yeah. Um, rather than just in one brain. So, yeah. So Brian is going to New Jersey motorsports park, which I haven't talked to him in like two months either. Yeah. Which I think that'll happen before this episode comes out. Um, but, uh, Tim Miller is going to go up there and hang out as well. That's basically his neighborhood. So, yeah. And then we are, Becky and I are doing mid Ohio. Uh, that'll be Becky's last competition for the year and a track she, we both really enjoy. And Tim and Chandler will be going to that one. Nice. And then we're up to Lime Rock. So that'll be Brian and I competing. Becky will just be there. Um, when is that? That's sometime in August, maybe. I want an excuse to go, and I'm pretty sure it overlaps with other responsible things that I have to do. Like, that's when I'm the schedule sure, came haven't, out. Haven't we talked about this already? Yeah. August, I can't go. August I, I, 20th, 21st. Yeah, I'm like, that's like the weekend I have to move Sonya into college or something. It's the. Oh, like, I have to be a responsible dad, and it's disgusting. Terrible. Um, yeah. Oh, that was like when the schedule came out. I was like, Lime Rock would be amazing. Dang it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. If that was going to be our last race, I would probably want to do some real stupid Toyota Motorsports input circle track setup crap. Because it basically yeah. is a circle track. Right. Um, I don't, I don't think I'm going to, but I'm definitely going to do some tricks that they, um, uh, that they've taught me over the years. Um, yeah, I got to I got to talk to I got to talk to Kirk. Speaking of that, because uh, Sonia's Sonia's gotten a hold of the Formula SAE team at the college she's going to. Uh-oh. She's like geeking out about race car stuff. So, Uh-oh. yeah, nice. this may be going on a bad path, but uh, she's excited. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, things are fine. Um. Yeah, it's been kind of nice to have you know, a little bit of a competition break between you know Audubon to Mid Ohio will be over a month. Even though we did Honda meet, like that's definitely less pressure, less uh, less everything kind of. So, have you contemplated going to a track without a car, or are uh, you just too busy for that? I. I was heavily, I was being heavily persuaded to go to New Jersey Motorsports Park um, to help with the beginner group there, which I really would like to, um, but that is the weekend that our family is going to uh, a small vacation. Okay. So can't do Yeah, it. that has precedent, so. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's kind of tough with kind of where, like how far everything is this year in terms of travel distance and right. um, kind of our schedule with uh, my son. It's just, yeah, it just is incompatible. 
on several occasions. Yeah, it is. I mean, there there are there are definitely you know you're right in in the business end of being a dad where like people are like Scott come do this and you're like yeah sorry like there's only so many years where this is really really important and I'm going to do this thing instead so yep and um yeah we don't need to get into that yeah it's yeah. it's a thing. So. Yeah, it is. It's fine. Like, I think some people have a hard time. Like, I have motorcycle friends who are like, dude, just go do this. And I'm like, but no, like, right. it's, it's, you don't realize how short a time it is until, like, I can go do that because my kids are either teenagers and don't care that I'm home or they're off at college or whatever. Right. Like, it sounds like six or eight or ten years is a lot. It's not. And it really doesn't feel like it. And, and to make, you know, to make those things a priority for that, whatever, six or eight or ten years is important, I think. Yeah, so. and I was even talking with somebody else uh, at Gingerman over the weekend, and he was like, yeah, you know, I, you know, I was kind of talking about vision and kind of mental everything, and he's like, yeah, you know, I really... I really try to make it a priority to drive something every weekend, like go somewhere, drive something. I'm like, that's sounds great for you. Like that is <laughs> incompatible with my life. Right. And to be honest, like not even desirable because of yeah. the other priorities in my life, AKA right. my family. Right. Um, I mean, 10 years from now, Dude, I I hope I I hope I age like Bill Griffin, and that like yeah. I'm just like getting good around retirement. <laughs> yeah, that'd be amazing. My, yeah, uh, that's my genuine hope for you and me. Actually. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah we're gonna need a retirement home somewhere with a uh, something. Why don't they build they build condos around tracks? Why can't we get them to build like uh, a retirement home around the track? I. Like an old people track condo thing. Maybe, I think that should be a thing. Maybe that's what we need to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and yeah, people buy in, help pay for it. I mean, it's a, it'd be a thing. Yeah, because like, so my wife's grandmother, um, who passed away a couple years ago, um, moved into like a really nice retirement community that was like, it was kind of like being in the dorms almost, but like nicer. Yeah. So you had your own apartment, but there was a cafeteria and then, you know, there was nurses on staff. And so it was like that level of dorms. You're like, I'm an adult, but I mean, not actually really. Cause I have a whole bunch of actual adults taking care of me. And like, I think me being like 65, I would love to live in a place where I'm like right on a racetrack, but somebody makes my dinner. Nice. That would be phenomenal. I don't know. How do we make this happen before we're 65? Um, I need to come into a lot of money. All right. Can't we just have somebody else with a lot of money make this for us? God, dude, I've been, I've been trying to find a sugar mama or sugar daddy. I don't, I don't care. It's like, I'll whatever I need yeah, I to mean, do to make that happen, man. I mean, I, I, I have one. But, like, I have to make her dinner, so I'm not sure we can reconfigure this to, to quite the uh, the thing. Also, like, definitely do not have enough money to build a retirement village. That's not going to happen. No, I mean, well, 
the big thing would be the the startup funds, which would be impressive. Yeah. But yeah. part of that is, you know, you can shop that out. You can, you know, spread that burden on other people. And then you've got to have some sort of like rolling income coming into it at the same time. And maybe that could just Well, ideally all our stuff. residents all our residents will be at the minimum of moderately wealthy and they will subsidize what we're doing. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. All right. So we need cool. to uh we, we got a plan. So we need to start a Patreon is what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So any of our listeners who uh, have been thinking about building uh, an old folks community for fun and profit, uh have we got an idea for you? I dude, I'm great at spending other people's money. Yeah. <laughs> this could be our biggest one so far. Like it, it could oh I'll spend all the money. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, let's wrap it up. We'll have to like talk more recently than, or like quicker than like five or six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. We should yeah. probably get back on the train of talking every Monday again. Um, because yeah. this is Thursday. <laughs> it is. I had to figure out what day it was. Like you messaged me and you're like show. And I was like, wait, it's not Monday. Is it? Like, no, it's not Monday. No, I do have to. I do have to pick my. I have to pick one kid up at camp and drop another one off on Saturday. So I'm sort of like vaguely aware of what day it is. Okay. But other than that, man, it's not really relevant. Yeah. So well, it's not Saturday. No, it's not. I knew it wasn't Saturday because my wife is at work today, and uh, like that's kind of how I keep track of time. Sure. Otherwise, it doesn't. Not really relevant. Doesn't really matter. So. Well, we are at track walking podcasts basically everywhere um if you haven't leave a leave a review however many stars you think uh you think we deserve and leave a little noty note note let us know that'd be great tell me i'm a butthole for bragging about spending the summer on the beach i want to hear it (laughs) i mean it'd be easy to do yeah um otherwise like we'll uh yeah we'll try to be a little more regular with the two of us talking instead of largely just me. And I will come back to civilization and re-enter society and start racing motorcycles again, and it will be like more relevant conversation, probably. Oh, yeah. So, I would say that do us for this week. So, for the two of us, I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. And we'll, you and I need to talk next week. We'll see when it comes out. Have a good one.